You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey folks, welcome to episode 103 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for April 2022. I am joined today by a fantastic returning guest who I think it's been a while, but I am nonetheless absolutely delighted to say, Jeff Gamut, welcome back. Bart, it has been a while, but, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh-huh. I am I am so happy to be here. It has been a long time and I have missed you. And yeah, I'm really excited to be hanging out with you today. Well, excellent. So we are here today to, I'm using as an excuse to hook a conversation around the fact that Apple held another one of their photo competitions. And we I did a show like this when they did the night mode photography and they had a competition for that. And it proved to be really interesting because the winners analyzing their photos really helped me learn how to use my own camera better. And mm-hmm. Apple have just done a whole new type of photography and shock and or horror, they've done a whole new photo competition to drum up interest. And they've launched the winners, 10 spectacular photos. So they will be linked in the show notes, lesshastalk.ie. And the other thing that will be linked in the show notes is a podcast uh, where they interview some of the winners and one of the, well, in fact, the lead person in the Apple camera team. And... It's fun to hear the conversation with, you know, Apple's person, but it's a bit by the book. She didn't go off script. Very boring of her to be a professional. Yeah, but, you know, at least it's going to reflect well on her next employee evaluation because she clearly knows how to toe the line for uh, Apple interview protocol. She does, and to be honest, it was still a fun conversation, but it wasn't earth shattering, right? It was it, it, right. It, it was the Apple line, basically. You'd spend as much money for a proper macro lens as you will for the whole iPhone, and you get a whole iPhone, and it does macro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was their yep. line, right? But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it is darn impressive. So I'm hoping people will follow along to link in the show notes with a look at the winners, and I I think. Jeff, we just start going through them and we'll just bounce our conversation off the photographs, I think. So actually, no, let's, let's, okay, let's step back for one second before we do that. Okay. So I am a huge iPhone photographer these days. I recently checked my EXIF data in my Photos app. I have not used my DSLR even once in the last three years. Wow. Like someone asked me what Nikon should I get, and I laughed at them. I was like, oh, no, you can ask my cat. Cat's about as knowledgeable as <laughs> which, me. Which Nikon should you get? Um, The iPhone 13 Pro? Yeah, pretty much. That was my yeah. thinking. You know, my, my friend was none too impressed with this concept. I was like, but that doesn't look like a professional camera. Like, Are you trying to look like a photographer or take pictures? It's like, oh, people don't right. take me seriously. Okay, fair enough. Okay, well, mm, well anyway. whatevs. Yeah, I, I haven't used a DSLR in years, and actually my primary camera has been an iPhone, and I'm not kidding, since the iPhone 7 came out. Because at that point, for a lot of what I was doing, because we could add on our, our the, you know, the aftermarket lenses. Yes. Um, uh, a little clip. I use those things all the time back in the day. Um, th- I mean, that, that did everything I needed. Yeah, and... Up until the iPhone 13 came out, I was a clip-on person for macro. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, the Telephoto 2X was fine. I, I never used a clip-on telephoto lens. But the clip-on macro was game-changing because it allowed the camera, the phone to do so much more cool stuff, especially the first year of COVID when we were like locked down to within five kilometers of our house. I was mm-hmm. doing the same walk every day. Mm-hmm. And at the macro, at the human scale, it was very monotonous. But when you zoom mm-hmm. really, really close in, there's an awful lot in five kilometers. <laughs> yeah. And so I yeah. would do the same walk. And as nature natured, the mm-hmm. macro lens would just see, you know, a bud becomes a flower, becomes a seed head. And it, there was something new every day if I was zoomed in enough. And so that little clip was in my pocket all the time. And then with the iPhone 13, it was like, well, I don't need a clip anymore. This is now, mm-hmm. you know, the best camera is a camera you have with you, cliche. Only I don't feel compromised. I don't feel, oh, that'll do. 
It's like, no, no, this is actually the camera I like shooting with. It, it, it's a great camera. Um, I, uh, I'm still using an iPhone 12 Pro, and uh, and that's because I was really trying to hold out for the 13. But the battery in my iPhone 10, you know, I had to get it replaced, and then I realized I don't have enough memory on this for the, all the stuff I'm doing, and I actually can't really use my phone as a as a useful device anymore i have to just get a new phone now so i get an iphone 12 pro six months ahead of of the 13 coming out and i was like please don't do something super incredible that's going to make me so so disappointed i don't have the 13 and then they came out with a macro and i'm like the one thing the the one thing um but uh while I would love to have that uh, that macro feature, I don't feel like I'm missing out too much because uh, uh, I use Halide on my iPhone for a lot of photos, and it has its own macro function that works surprisingly well. I mean, it's clearly not the same as right. the macro function that's built into the iPhone 13, but... I'm still getting to do some macro things, and uh, and then may- maybe this fall when the 14 comes out, I'll, I'll feel okay turning around and buying a new phone. I would, yeah. I generally don't go every iPhone because only weird people—not weird people—people people who do it for a living do that. But that's not me, right? And since I don't have to do that for a living anymore, why should I buy a new phone every year? I, there were times I went three or four years with one, um, but. Um, I destroyed, it turns out that even though it's very good for your own health to sterilize your phone, don't use bleach on an iPhone. Oh, oh, yeah. Important life lesson right there. Yeah. Wrong wipes. It was hard to get wipes in the first few weeks of the pandemic. I just got whatever the heck wipes I could get. And I didn't really read the fine print until my phone started acting really weird. And it's mm-hmm. like, contains 0% alcohol. I thought, huh, that's odd. Oh. What's in here instead? (laughs) Yep. It was bleach. And uh, the iPhone 11 did not enjoy that. No, I can't imagine it would. No. So, yeah, it got replaced. And then I managed to convince my darling beloved he really wanted my iPhone 12 and that I should really get an iPhone 13. Uh, Well, and you weren't wrong. To be honest, he did quite enjoy my iPhone 12. (laughs) See? See, everyone wins. He he gets a phone that he knows the history of. That is true. And we kind of have a long running thing. He tends to get the Apple Watches first because he has some health issues. And so he mm-hmm. actually wants the latest fitness features. And I get the iPhones first. And then we're all happy. See, this is this is what makes a relationship so strong and beautiful. <laughs> just, you know, you just fit together wonderfully. We That's been, a beautiful thing. We have been together for 16 years, I think. Anyway, anyway, photography, photography. So we have 10 amazing photographs and the photographs themselves have little captions where the photographers get to say something about their photo and they actually all chose to say rather different things. And so, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because some of them focused on the emotion of it and some of them focused on the practicalities of it and some of them focused, like they just had all different things they were focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these shots are snapped in the wild, and some of these not these shots are very carefully constructed. So it's a wonderful mix. And so I suggest we start at the top with a photograph, which, if it wasn't titled, I'm not going to give the title of the photograph because I think we should enjoy it in its utter abstractness first. Mm-hmm. So if you don't read the title, what you get is this collection of very strongly coloured somethings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, shapes. Yeah. Not, I, I don't want to call them blobs because it feels like there's a little bit more structure to them than a blob would have. But uh, almost like like these um, gelatinous shapes. Gem, almost like gemstones, frankly. Uh, almost like gemstones. Or yep. jellies that have been sucked on. <laughs> right. Okay. Yep. Yep. But the actual title is Sea Glass. So this is from uh, Guido in Buenos Aires, and he was walking along the beach and he was collecting glass that has been eroded by the sea. So these were once 
sharp, icky shards of glass from bottles or whatnot, and they've been bashed about in the sea, and they are now these wonderfully rounded, semi-translucent, multicoloured things. He collected them together, put a bit of seawater on them so that they become nice and brightly coloured, and just snapped the picture while they're lying on the beach. And that's mm-hmm. what we have here. So that is actually what this is. This is pieces of glass on what I presume is some sort of volcanic beach because the background sand does not look like white sand. It looks distinctly dark. Right. And there's uh, uh, obviously some bigger chunks of stuff that are not the glass in the background. Well, relatively speaking, bigger chunks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is the ultimate example of it's just you're outside, you have your phone with you, you find something cool. And you can take this kind of wonderfully abstract shot just just like that. And I absolutely love this one. Um, this fits in with with my style for for photography, close up especially, because I'm really into close up stuff, even if it's not macro. And it's uh, it's all about the spontaneity and finding the thing in the in the moment and getting getting to experience the serendipity of having the right thing the right composure the right lighting and you're there and you can just snap the photo and that i feel like there's a lot of that in this in this sea glass photo there really is and it, it this one stands out a little bit as well because it's one of the few one most of them are of natural things and this yes. is Yes, and uh, and I was actually surprised that there there weren't any other uh, I'll, I'll call them man-made things. Yeah, because I'm just actually having a quick scroll. Nature, nature, nature. Everything nature, else is, is nature, 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 nature. Yeah, all, you're right. They're actually this is the only one where the subject is a hundred percent artificial because some of the other ones are artificial-ish. Yes, they're yeah. constructed. Yeah. Uh, shall we say. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's a very interesting one to have as a starting one. So this is, yeah, you're right. This is mankind's rather cool impact on the earth. And th- the fun thing with these kind of shots, of course, is you can post them on Twitter and just say to your followers, want to guess what this is? Right. And then you get some wonderful guesses. And uh, and when you tell closure. them what it really is, yeah, then then everyone will, will think it's even cooler than it was before. And hopefully retweet it plenty. So, yeah, it's, it's good. Right. <laughs> Crypto photography. So. <laughs> right. So the next one then is called The Cave. And th- this one is the very, very inside of a very, very red flower uh, by Marco in Italy. Mm-hmm. And I, this one speaks to me of a whole class of photograph where the big picture of a flower is something we're all familiar with. But a lot of the time there's a detail in there because the flower is usually very interested in getting itself procreated. And there's usually cool stuff going on where the seed bits are. Mm-hmm. And with a macro lens, you can dive straight into what's probably a much, much, much larger flower. And so here we're right at the very, very business end of this red, whatever it is. I don't recognize the species. Um and we're just completely sucked into, I mean, it's called the cave, but you really do feel like you're being sucked into this dark, dark area. So it was mm-hmm. it's interesting. This one's actually a hibiscus. Ah. And, uh, and, and before you get really impressed with, with my uh, botany skills and knowledge, um, I, I had looked it up to see what he, what he had taken a photo I was just of. Gonna say, I'm reading the caption now. I wanted the hibiscus natural framing to make us feel fully part of yeah. its beauty. So they're like, oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> yes. And, okay, so what I love about this is uh, he, when he dove into this image, and, I, and, and I'm using the term dove in very intentionally because, you're, I mean, you're getting like way down in to this flower and you're getting in to a space that uh, would be actually kind of difficult to get to with a traditional DSLR because you have, uh, it's it's just a lot bulkier and bigger than an iPhone. So yeah. Um, So you get like right down in here and you get to see the textures that we tend to miss when we just look at a flower. So when you're looking at it this close, 
these don't look like petals. This looks like leather that's dyed red. Yeah. Almost like a glide slope. Almost like it's designed to, for somebody to slide in. Like it, I know there are plants designed to be slippy to insects. It's like, oh, I need, mm-hmm. I need you to become covered in pollen. Therefore, I shall make this a wee slippy slide for you. I wouldn't be at all surprised if that was going on here. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that the flower evolved in such a way so that uh, that it would make it as easy as possible for a uh, pollinating insect to get right down in there. Like, I mean, the the insect wouldn't even need to really be able to see. All it needs to do is get close enough to the petals that it can just follow along in. Yeah. Now, this is an example in the caption where the photographer chose not to describe sort of the nitty-gritty detail of the how, but to actually describe their thinking. So I actually think it's worth reading a quote from the photographer here, mm-hmm. because he says, you know, uh, but when I started exploring its possibilities, I really started loving it. I discovered it gives me the possibility to turn nearly everything I see into an abstract subject, different from what it's in reality. This feature really did unlock my imagination. Which is I, I, insightful I and that. deep, and I couldn't agree more yeah yeah the the thing for me about macro photography and well and even just close-up photography it's about the the perspective that you get that we are not capable of other ways getting and simply because we are so big compared to the thing that we're uh, photographing and we we are not capable of having that perspective and so being able to, to see this at whatever this happens to be in this case, it's a hibiscus. Being able to see these things from a perspective that is just not possible for us otherwise, to me, is just so fascinating. And things that are smooth petals suddenly become uh, interesting pieces of art. Yeah. And I mean, you know, his point of it becomes abstract is is very true to the point, which is actually a really good transition into the third image. It's called Art in Nature um, by mm-hmm. uh, Prad... I'm going to say Prajal, and I'm going to f- beg forgiveness for my mispronunciation of an Indian name. Um, this person is from India. So this is a perfect shot of a shot I have tried and failed to get nearly as good as this. This is... Mm-hmm. A spider's web covered in dewdrops, but the photographer has managed to find a background that completely melts away and is exactly the same color as the spider silk, so the web is gone too. It's just the water drops. It's the world's weirdest game of join the dots. It, it, it's really cool. And looking at this, and this one I looked at quite a bit because I was trying to figure out the the angles and how the the background disappeared. And my first thought was, oh, well, you know, uh, field of depth. And uh, and as I'm I'm running through the process, I I keep reminding myself, this isn't a DSLR. This is an iPhone. So my speculation. Physics is still physics. So it is still going to have a really shallow depth of field when you're in macro mode. Right. So how do you get that uh, that very nothing background that you have? And my speculation is that it's uh, it's totally overcast. And uh, and since the sun is not in a position in this shot where it can have a direct impact on on the lighting for the background, we're getting that diffused gray of the sky. And uh and then the uh, the dewdrops in the foreground, and, and oh my god, it's a striking image. I love it. It's it's it is shockingly striking. And the only other possibility I can think of is it's a really foggy day, and there's no detail in the background because there's no detail in the background. Okay, I'll accept that too. That that's it's, it's totally one of those two, right? But mm-hmm. I have tried to get this shot, and I have never succeeded in having the webs stand out so well from the background. And I've never gotten a shot like this. And I, it's because I've never had the opportunity or the luck to find a spider web with dewdrops on it where I don't have some, some busy, busy background happening, like, you know, like the side of a house or, 
or a tree. You and, see a tree uh, around here, you know, it's like the yeah. spikes of, of some, you know, pine needles or whatever right behind it. Like you say, busy, 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 shouty, shouty. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, those can still be cool photos, but this is a striking photo. Yeah. And again, it's that abstraction because when you know it's a spider's web, you know it's a spider's web, but it's also just this wonderful collection of little circular dots in a very odd pattern. And they're different sizes. It's the fact that they're different sizes is so fun. Yes. And if and yeah. I'm perpetually trying to find out if I can see some detail because each one is a little lens. So in theory, it might be possible in one of them to get a look back at the photographer or something else to give us some context, but I haven't succeeded in finding anything. I have been doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a few years ago, I did a, a macro photo of of uh, uh, frozen droplets of water. So like uh, like they were they had started dripping off of some plant outside my place and it was cold enough and they froze and it was just like this perfect crystal sphere, little, little globule. And so I got up close with the, uh, with my macro lens and the angle was just right. So you see me taking the photo when you look in the, in the ice droplet and I'm just still to this day, so happy with that photo. That, that is that is one to, to Frank. That's one of those ones you print out and you hang it on your wall and you just enjoy it. You know, I should print that one out. I, I have. Now, I recently had the pleasure of actually owning my own house for the first time, and I'm now discovering that I can hang whatever the heck I want on the wall. And if I want a you nail, can. I just bang in a nail. And so I've started right. to put some of my shots on canvas and hang them. Nice. It's the, it's a percent of a percent. But when something really takes me now, I, I I feel happy to be able to do that. And it's nice, you know, to have visitors into the house and they look up and go, oh, that's very pretty. It's like, yeah, that was Dublin Airport. I shot that about three years ago. It's like, ooh, you shot that. Nice. <laughs> and conversations nice. away, you know. Just, that's great. Yeah. And good uh, for you for putting the nails in the wall. I, I did actually use sticky things because I couldn't bring myself to. Because <laughs> 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 now it's my wall, um, <laughs> which is the other side of that. But anyway. Okay, that's really funny. It is kind of funny. But yeah, the point is they're up. They're hanging, which is the important thing. So the next shot we have, again, water droplets are definitely a feature. In fact, water droplets are a really strong feature. And for the reason you just described with your ice droplet, I can see why lots of photographers incorporate them because they are such fun. So the Mm -hmm. next one is called A Drop of Freedom from Daniel from Budapest. And in this case, we are, again, it's a flower, but again, it's zoomed in to the point that I believe it's a lily. Yeah, he says it in, okay, actually read ahead this time, it is a lily. But Mm -hmm. instead, like, we're used to the shape of a lily sort of emphasizing the overallness. But in this case, one of the petals is acting as like a runway, is the only way I can describe it. We are looking... It's like a side shot. Yeah. And we're straight up the pedal at a water droplet nestled underneath the, 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 is it the stamens where the the pollen hangs out and gets, Mm -hmm. especially in lilies, you know, as a kid, how many kids haven't stuck their nose into a lily and come out bright red? (laughs) Okay, maybe that was just Uh. me. You know, smell these flowers. Oh, okay. And you're just giant, you're completely covered in in pollen and your whole schnoz. And then you discover you have hay fever. It's great. Uh, yeah, as someone who has hay fever, I don't stick my face into flowers. Well, I don't anymore. <laughs> well, you learned. <laughs> that is very true. Um, yeah, so again, we have this now. Actually, the, yeah, the other reason this one is a good example. So this isn't an accident. This is a studio spotlight on the lily with a dark background. So mm-hmm. this is a constructed photograph where the photographer has taken the time and the effort to find something of interest, set up a, a very, very, very dark background, set up a studio light to actually put the light where the photographer wanted it, and then use that to construct this intricate co- this composition. So that's a, very different to the ones you've seen so far, which have been entirely uh, you know, out and about discovering something and having the tools to make use of that mm-hmm. this is yes. a different scale and uh and the the big thing for me in this one because it's a studio shot it gave 
the photographer the ability to to like really really stage this and mm-hmm. and they did a great job and the 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 big thing for me in the staging is that they got the lighting right so that it's bringing out these subtleties in the color changes along the the petals that that are there but they're the sort of thing that you don't really notice unless you get everything just right like this otherwise it's just a lily with white petals but no the reality is when when you can really look at the colors it uh, it has more like a a skin texture and uh, and this really broad mix of color tones that that come through yeah and you've actually got three distinct textures going on in the photograph as well so on what i'm going to call the runway the one we're looking Mm -hmm. straight down you can you're looking right along the surface so you can almost feel a paper-like texture is the the best Mm -hmm. way i can describe it fancy paper like you know like Mm -hmm. your degree might be printed on and then straight ahead of you is the one where the, the studio light is shining through the petal to you. And what stands out there isn't the surface texture. It's the internal structures of the venation mm-hmm. coming about because it's being lit through, almost like an x-ray. And then mm-hmm. next to that is a bud of a closed lily. And because the light is coming across it, it gives us the three-dimensionality of the paper texture that we don't get from looking straight up the paper texture. So mm-hmm. it's, those three petals are the same, but they're not in this photograph. No, they're not. And uh, and then you get the nice accents of the water droplets and the, the main water droplet right in the center at the base of the stamen is a wonderful reflection of the runway petal. Yes. Yeah, and I'm wondering if we look really, really carefully. Is there a reflection of an iPhone in that in that one? I couldn't see the iPhone. Can't in there. see it, but the the petal is definitely in there. You can definitely see. Yeah, I guess it's a, a shrunken reflection. Because obviously yeah. the 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 water drop it is a lens, so it's 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 you know it's distorting the image, which is uh, fun. And that's actually the perfect transition point to the next image, which is called leaf illumination. Definitely no, mm-hmm. no, no subtlety going on here. <laughs> no. But so this is um, actually, sorry, this is not the perfect one. Okay. I thought this one was. It's the, a nice very, build up to the perfect one. Yeah. The perfect one's later. But anyway, so this is, this is a nice build up for a different reason. This is leaf texture utterly leaning into it. So leaf illumination by Trevor from Boston in the United States. And this, what I love about this is it highlights how with a macro lens, there is beauty hiding everywhere. This mm-hmm. is a flower on this guy's desk. So basically right. this guy is at work, bored out of his tree or something. And the light is, he describes it as the golden hour, which is a wonderful time of day. And he says, you know, this one instance was during the silver of the silver of golden hour, which is I never heard that phrase when the sun is shining directly into my window, illuminating all of the tiny cells in each leaf. So this is very personal. All right. So now I get what he means by sliver. You had to say it out loud for me to get it. Yeah, he's referring to the sliver of time. Yeah. Yeah, see, I read yeah. silver in my brain, and I have kept reading silver until right now when you finally got my brain to flip those letters around. Sliver of golden light. Now it works. Uh, yep, that works. Yeah, it's uh, – and, and this is another one of those photos where it didn't have to really be staged. It's just – this This is – what is it? It's a, a, a fig plant that's on his desk. And you get the lighting just right, and then you think, oh, I bet this would be a cool macro shot, and you take it, and it turns out it is. Yeah, and award-winningly cool. I mean, the golden light has really helped because a a leaf can be pure, you know, a pure green leaf probably wouldn't be as, uh, as appealing. But the golden light of the golden hour has given this a very warm pleasing, friendly, inviting sort of a feel to it. Mm-hmm. 
It does. It, it, it looks as if the, the leaf has its own internal lighting system. Yeah. And what I also love is, uh, as, a, as a bit of a mathematics geek, this is a very fractal leaf pattern. We have big squares containing little squares containing littler squares. It, it's just this little branching, branching, branching all the way down and getting, you know, richer gold and then subtler and subtler and subtler. And then actually the, the array of spots that you end up with in the middle of all of the little squares is also kind of nice, actually. It is. And if you look at this normally, meaning not as a macro shot, it just looks like a, like a green leaf with with some veins running through it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but the reality is it's this incredibly complex structure that that's happening. And uh, I mean, you could, I suppose, say on some level, it looks like uh, like a very uh, uh, macro view of a city where you're looking down on the uh, the highway and and other road structures. It reminds me of flying over American suburbia, where you have yes. bigger roads leading to smaller roads leading to smaller roads, and they're like blocks broken into smaller blocks broken into smaller blocks, and then inside each one you have all the little houses, which are the little dots spread around with all the little gardens. Yeah, that, uh, yes, it looks strikingly like uh, uh, American suburbia. And because it's not perfectly square, it's like American suburbia in a place where there are hills. Because when you're flying over a place with hills, you know they wanted a grid, but nature was having none of it. And they have a sort of a kind mm-hmm. of a mosty grid. And that's what this reminds me of. Yes. And which is the kind of grid I'm used to because, well, I live in Colorado. Yeah, and, it goes up and down a and, bit there. It goes up and down. And, uh, and if, if it's not going up and down, th- there's the whole swishy thing of, uh, of big creeks and, uh, and streams and small rivers running through everything. Yeah. So that gives you this naturally broken up look to things, which I love. Yeah. It's, yeah. Actually, I think this is, I, I won't, I can't, frankly, pick an absolute favorite, but this is definitely on my short list of, I think this is one of the nicest ones in the bunch. It's just, there's something heartwarming about it. There's something friendly to it. it it's, I find it very inviting. Uh, so do I. And I like how on this one, you have the, uh, the focal point is set not simply because you tend to look towards the center of the image, but because the the focal length, it's blurred out towards the edges. Like if you go to the upper left-hand corner, Mm. that part of the leaf is closer to us and it's not quite in focus. And then of course the leaf that's behind this one is totally blurred because yeah. it's farther away. And so your eye is just drawn to to the leaf's suburbia. Yeah, it, and it really is. Your eye is just magnetically pulled to it. I can't, you know, I, even if it's half scrolled off the page, I'm still finding myself being sucked back up to it. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that it's, you know, the, the, the fig leaf sitting on my desk where I get to see it all throughout the day. It's, it's just, there's stuff lurking everywhere. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one then is called Strawberry and Soda by Ashley from San Francisco, also in the USA. And this this one is probably the most, it's a natural subject. It is a strawberry, which is very clearly a thing from nature. It is in soda, which I don't think is from nature. <laughs> a lot of American soda is um, quite unnatural. I, I, carbonated water can happen naturally. True. True. Mountain Dew, on the other hand, cannot. does not happen naturally. Like there is dew on mountains, but it is not stuffed full of caffeine and tasting of too much sugar. And looking like antifreeze. Yeah. Actually, I asked a friend of mine this, what flavor is Mountain Dew? And they were like, it is. It is Mountain Dew flavor. Okay. So there is no official. It's not, <laughs> it is like Dr. Pepper. It's, it is. Because okay. mm-hmm. I don't yep. understand Mountain Dew as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a silly foreigner. I, I do understand. Uh, that. Don't feel bad because I live here and I don't get it either. Ah, okay. Well, so Ashley is actually one of the photographers interviewed in the podcast, which is fun. Um, but she heard about the competition and basically went, I need to find something cool in my house to take a picture of to enter this competition. 
So this is the exact opposite of the whole, here's something cool that happened to spot by accident photograph. But that doesn't make it less creative because I have a lot of things in my house. I don't think I came out with anything as co- I, I would have come out with anything as cool as this. So she went to the refrigerator. She picked out a strawberry. She got a vase or a vase, as we would say this Atlantic, but a vase is how she says it and how you guys say mm-hmm. it. Uh, filled it with soda, put the strawberry in, waited, got some black cardboard for the background, set up lights and stuff, and just over time, the bubbles do that nucleation thing, and the strawberry has now become this abstract strawberry-shaped ball of air? Yeah, it's it's really cool looking. And uh, um, at first I thought it was two strawberries, but then I realized, no, you see the reflection of the strawberry. So it's just the one in the middle, the the one that's on the top is a reflection. from the Yeah, in the bottom of the water we're looking through. Or not the water, yes. the soda we're looking through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought this is a, a a really cool photo, and the, the I mean the way she set it up, uh, incredibly creative. And she said something that I, I realized is kind of a recurring theme with with a lot of the the photographers that that ended up on this shortlist, which is these people, even as pro photographers aren't always using Photoshop to do everything. Mm. Uh, like, like she used the photos app for, uh, some of her edits and, uh, she, uh, I don't know if it was her or one of the other people that they used. Um, Oh no, I can't remember, uh, which app it was. Um, um, one of the third-party photo editing Well, Halide got mentioned in the podcast at one stage. Right. Um, but, like, um, um, oh, I hate it when I forget app names. Well, hold on. Let's just do a search on my Mac for... Uh, All the photo apps. Yeah, like, like uh, might have been Affinity Photo. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it, it was one of the not Photoshop ones. Yeah. And uh, and I just find that to be uh, absolutely fascinating that that um, we're seeing people doing photos that are this high quality, and they don't have to rely on Adobe's tools to do these things. And yeah. in some cases, they're using the free tools that just shipped on their iPhone. Well, my entire everything I post on Twitter is edited is taken with the iPhone using Apple's camera app and edited in Apple's camera app and posted with the share sheet from Apple's camera app. I, I don't do anything else because my phone is usually locked. I do the press and hold thing on the camera icon. I take mm-hmm. the picture, I edit the picture, I share it to Twitter, and I keep my I keep walking because I'm out of my walk getting exercise. It is all done from the lock yes. screen. Um, which does not surprise me at all. A Pixelmator, that was ah. the other one I was thinking of. Um yeah, uh, the whole thing with uh, with shooting from the lock screen, I do that too. Yeah. And what what I tend to do because I want to keep moving, otherwise I'm, my walks will take four hours, and I, and I will get no exercise out. I was going to say, and my Apple Watch will say, "Yeah, you may have been gone for an hour, but you're getting no calories for that, mate." Right, right. So what I do is I shoot from the lock screen, and uh, and keep going, keep going. And then when I get to the end of my walk, then I sit down and start looking at everything that I've taken. And I'm intentionally not paying close attention to each shot along the way unless I see something. And I'm like, I need to try several different angles because I don't know what framing is going to look best in the final shot. But for the most part, it's like, this is cool. Okay, that's probably an okay angle. Boom. And then move on. Then later on, I sit down and look at everything. And um, and since I'm posting to Instagram, um, I'll I'll just do a little bit of quick editing in there. Like you know, like if uh, if the brightness is wonky, um, 
and you know just very very minor things like i'm not i'm not trying to really stylize the image i'm trying to keep it looking as close to to realistic as i can and then of course it goes out everywhere else from there but uh it's it's one of those things where it's like what you're doing if you put more barriers in place then it stops having the spontaneity and it ultimately it's not going to be what you want it's it turns into a chore yeah and um it's yeah my edits are very very basic it's i i I, the auto button the fact when they made the auto button into a bunch of soft changes you can tweak yourself that was a point in time where i became a user of apple's own editor because the auto button Mm -hmm. used to be a toggle it was on or it was off and it was Mm -hmm. magic its icon was a magic wand and it was magic whereas now it's just a bunch of i'm going to move these sliders for you and you can tweak me any way you like and so it's just a starting mm-hmm. point and so my 99.9 not 99.9 let's say 90 percent of the time i take the picture i hit the auto button i remove the reduction in uh, the brightening of the shadows because i like my shadows crunchy i, I like them dark so the iphone's like oh this mm-hmm. isn't perfectly exposed don't care i want them black so that goes away I mm-hmm. want a little bit more color than the iPhone likes, but I prefer it in vibrance rather than saturation. So I tend to give the vibrance a little nudge. And mm-hmm. I adore the um, detail slider, which the iPhone never does automatically. So I give it a little nudge of the detail, and that's almost always it. And then it's just chair. That that sounds very, very close to what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I for me, the big thing is... Uh, uh, managing midtones because mm. that that's the place that everything uh, uh, all, all the cameras all of the the apps tend to get wrong and, and and honestly i've had photos that i've taken where the only thing i've done is gone and like bump up my midtones and i'm like okay that's it this photo's done it's fine yeah if the midtones are wrong the photo feels wrong yeah it, it feels under or overexposed all the rest is just making it better. But if the midtones aren't right, your brain goes wrong. Your, your brain just throws it as this is not a good photo. So to get those midtones right. right, it's quite forgiving after that. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what you do with contrast or sharpen or or uh, anything else. In my in my opinion, well, I look at that if as the icing. you can't get the midtones right. Because those things won't cover for yeah. for wonky midtones. Yeah. When, exactly. Once you have your midtones, now you can mess around with your contrast or or saturation or vibrance or whatever else you need to mess with. Yeah, and that's but what you you're doing get there the is you're making first. a good image better. But until mm-hmm. you get the midtones, you don't have a good image. Right. Yes. Yes. That's it. And I, I refuse to post like unless it's like a species of butterfly that has never before been seen in ireland unless it's something outrageously spectacular there is no bad image getting onto my my twitter stream it's just no they're well i'd say objectively if you have caught the photograph of a butterfly that has never been seen um anywhere around you before it is by definition a good photograph (laughs) Uh, unless your thumb is totally covering the lens believe me behind that thumb is the most amazing (laughs) right (laughs) can't fix that with midtones no oh no they're perfect look it's 18 percent gray anyway (laughs) (laughs) the next shot we have is the title is really 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 leaning into this concept of abstract so the, yes. the photographer uh, Abhik from uh, Milford, New Milford, in the USA. It doesn't say a state. I have no idea where New Milford is, but it's in the United States somewhere. The title of the photograph is... Well, let's find out. Can it, there's probably like five of them. You know how that's going to work. Like Milford. Um, I just found three without trying. Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. New England. Let's just say New England. There we go. It's in New England. And a ford is in the British Isles, a place where you cross the river. So a Milford, like there are a lot of fords at mills or a lot of mills at fords. So there are going to be a lot of Milfords. Um, Anyway, Volcanic Lava is the title, which leans into the fact that it is a flower. I mean, to me, being into nature, I, I was not fooled for a moment. But the title is really, really good because where those very, very orange petals twist into the center of the flower 
It looks like flowing lava. It does. Yes, it it really does. And the 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 rest of the colors, like when you get into the into that, um, Seed, I guess I on guess? a sunflower, that's still a a stymen. And that is a sunflower, right? I am almost certain it is a species. It of has sunflower. it has to be a, a sunflower. Um, yeah. But yeah, when when you're looking at the the stymen area of that of the sunflower, and you get to see that that twist. Mm. At, for each little piece and uh, and the colors coming off of that where it's it's reflecting like a purple and and there's still pollen hidden in uh in some of them and it just i mean i think uh volcanic lava is a great way to abstractly describe this photo yeah. Now, this is an interesting one when you read the caption, because it is both found and staged. So the person was walking and they noticed some flowers for sale. They bought the flowers, brought them home and snapped this photograph. So so it is a find while out on a walk and it is a staged photograph, which is an interesting mm-hmm. mix of the two here. Um, but I... I it, it, the... The different colors on the curve of the heart of the sunflower, and it does say in the caption it's a sunflower, they are cool, and they're a cool photograph. But the the way the petals meet them is extra cool. Yes. And yeah. choosing and- the title it that way, I think, really works. Because I think without the title, I may have been too distracted by the heart of the flower to appreciate the beautiful flowing lines around it. Yes, I I get what you're saying. And had I taken this photo, um, I probably would have centered more on that heart, that center point in the flower, had it off center, but that would have been more the the focal point. Yeah. And, but looking at this where the, the actual center of the flower is almost off the shot on the left side. And you get those those petals in on the right. Uh, it, it it takes an interesting photo and turns it into a fascinating photo. I think. Yeah, because it is not. You're right. You're right. You're yeah. I'm glad you pointed out the composition because it is not what would have occurred to me naturally. And I don't. It's not what you generally see. This is this is composed differently to normal, which probably helps it really grab the eye, which it most certainly does. Oh yeah. Uh, the next one I just find fascinating because I was convinced this was some sort of Christmas decoration. I did not know mm-hmm. snowflakes really look like those decorations I stick on my window every Christmas. It's called Honeycomb by Tom from New York. NYC is New York City, right? Yes. And it's Honeycomb is a dog out for a walk. And the first time the puppy ever got snowed on, and being a very observant photographer, Tom pointed his camera right at snowflakes caught in the dog's hairs. And they are actual snowflakes. Yes. Yeah. It's magical. It, 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 it's so cool. And now living in Colorado, I knew that you can see snowflakes that okay. look like this. You you see snow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see snow. And sometimes we'll get these like really big snowflakes that, that are almost like, like, uh, down. Right. And, uh, um, and if you can catch one of those and it's really cold and you catch it on something that's cold before it loses its own structure, you can, you can pick out. Uh, a lot of the patterns, uh, but more likely you can see teeny tiny little ones when it's really cold out. And, you know, we're talking like a millimeter across mm-hmm. and they'll land on something and they just sit there in the little snowflake pattern. And it's just, it, it's really cool. And, uh, and getting it to see or getting to see that in this sort of setting is so cool because it's just there mixed in with the dog's fur. And, and these must uh, be tiny like you're describing, because looking at the, how close you are to the fur, these must be little one, two millimeter little things. 
Oh, yeah. I, I'm assuming that these snowflakes aren't more than a millimeter across. But when you look at them in the photo without anything else for scale, even with all the fur there, there's no way to tell. I mean, you look at it and think, this is uh, a centimeter across right. or bigger. It, it just – my immediate reaction on scrolling down was, oh, cool, Christmas decorations. Wait a minute. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is biological. This is natural. This 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 is this is this is not artificial. And I think the warm colors of the of the dog's tone are a very nice contrast with the coldness of the snowflakes as well. I think that really helps. I I agree. And you can also see light shining through some of the dog fur. Mm. So you get a, a whiteness to the fur in places as well. Um, so to me, that that kind of blends the image together, but it, it also brings your eyes. See, I'm going back to the composition. It, yeah. There's the dark stripe where where the light isn't going or passing right through the fur. And that's where the primary snowflake is. So... Yeah. I mean, the a composition perfect, like this, like the most just perfect flake is in the dark bit. Yeah. I mean, how do you get so lucky to have a composition like this happen? Because you cannot stage something like this. You're working with a dog, a puppy. <laughs> yeah. It's a happy puppy in snow for the first time. I doubt it was sitting there going, oh, yeah, take a picture. Take your time. Don't mind me. <laughs> Right. I mean, this is one of those things where you look down, you see it, your phone's already in your hand, and you hit the camera button as fast as you can and get in there and snap the photo. I mean, my assumption is from the time that, uh, that who is it, uh, Tom, saw what was on his dog's fur to the time he had the photo, five seconds, 10 seconds tops. I would agree. Now, it's possible that Tom was quick to tap on the snowflake with his finger on the screen to get that in focus. Because remember, oh, sure. tap to focus. So this may be a case of tap to focus. But whatever it was, he was he had to have been darn quick off the mark here. It was it was fast. There's no way this this was a leisurely. I think I'll I'll yeah. uh, find the right angle. No, this is someone that that just has the eye to be able to get the camera in the right place, just like that, and then snap the photo. Now, the second last one is the one I initially thought we were getting earlier. So going back to our water droplets are fascinating theme. So this one is called mm-hmm. Hidden Gem uh, by Jurassic from Thailand. And this is mm-hmm. the heart of a leaf. So we're being sucked in a very, very, very green leaf in this case. And all of the veins are pulling us in towards the center of the leaf where there is a very large water droplet magnifying everything. So it's this little yes. magnifying lens right at the heart of the image. It's it, The eye is just yoinked into this gem-like thing in the middle. It, it is a very impressive water droplet. It is. And uh, this is the, the only water droplet in all of these photos where, as far as I can tell, you can see something that's not natural. Because it looks like there's uh, like uh, a window structure in the background i interpreted those as being some sort of fringing so basically lines being caused by optical effects oh that could be too i mean they're they're just so so perfectly parallel that i assumed uh that wasn't from the flower especially when I, i'm zooming in now when you look at the right edge of that, yeah. of that white, it's. It, I mean, it is so perfectly straight. I was just assuming that had to be uh, a reflection of something outside of of the leaf. That's true. Actually, the, whatever it is on the right, yeah. I, I, my eye was very much being caught by the ripply things at the top, which I think are optical effects. Yeah, oh, yes, and you can see a little bit of that on the left as well, the ripply bit. Yeah, the ripples are cool. They're very. This whole thing is cool. I mean, it's this amazing little magnifying lens and mirror all rolled up into one. And it's, I mean, and it looks like a giant drop, but I bet it is not a very big drop of water. Well, it, the the final sentence is a world of beauty and wonder made minuscule, which which is a very artistic phrase. This person is as least as good of. Uh, wordsmith as they are a photographer 
Yes. And um, yeah, so this one was from uh, someone in Thailand. Okay. Yeah. And then, sorry, Jeff. um, This, okay. So this one, because apparently I'm totally on the composition thing. Um, they, they went almost center with the, uh, with the drop of water, but then pulled it down. So it's below dead center. Mm. And, and I think for the way the leaf structure is, that takes what would have been a cool photo showing a drop of water and turns it into a piece of art. Yes, and I think the temptation to center something like that would be excruciatingly high. And the fact that it's only mm-hmm. centered on one axis makes all the difference in the world. Because it's, it's not a rule of thirds exactly, but the middle oh, right. would be on... It, it's the center of the middle third. Okay, yes, I think that's a great way to describe it. And it's not a composition that I would think of. Because I would, I would be thinking of my rule of third corners, or I would be thinking of it's a reflection, so center it so you have symmetry up the azure, but mm-hmm. it's down but centered in the other axis. I, I don't think I would have thought of that, and that's definitely one I'm going to try, because that, you're right, it works extremely well as a composition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And Okay, another thing I'm loving about all these images is that we we're able to very easily move on from talking about them as iPhone photos and talk about them for the photos that they are. Because, I mean, yes, from Apple's perspective, this is a great marketing tool to show off the way you can uh, get some amazing photographs with your smartphone. But from my perspective, these people all took amazing photographs. Yes. And, uh, and, the fact that it's uh, it, it's an iPhone specific collection of images is almost secondary. Yeah. Now, the last image I think is amazing for a couple of reasons. Um, so this last one is, I think, the most heartwarming story of them all. So yes. it is. It is a very abstract shot of what I know to be a tulip because I have them growing in my own front garden at the moment. Um, and tulips have a very fun texture to them. Mm-hmm. Difficult shape to photograph, but a very fun texture. And this really captures that veinated texture. So a red tulip will often have yellow, you know, re- yellow and red together in these lovely veiny textures. And this is a shot of that on a darkened background and nice, you know, it, it captures the feel of a tulip quite well. But then I read the caption and I, I think the best I'm just going to have to read this. So the mm-hmm. photograph, the photo was taken when my three year old son discovered the blossom of the tulip at home. I then appreciated the flower with my son together. And we took out my iPhone trying to capture the moment when the son kissed the flower, which created a perfect shadow at the petals. As I moved my iPhone closer to the flower, it automatically turned on macro mode and the detail on the petals were brought into the fullest. A few moments later, wind came and blew the petals away. Even though the blossom was short, I still captured the highest moment of the tulip's life, which is a gift from nature. You should be a poet. Oh, right. Right. And, uh, and this image, I mean, this goes back to the serendipity thing for me. Yes. Here, here's someone that was in the right place at the right time. And they had the their iPhone with them and they were able to capture a shot like this that five minutes later would never be possible. I have a feeling that the accessibility of the iPhone and the fact that you're looking at a screen instead of sticking it to your face means that you can collaborate with a three-year-old. I think that was a very collaborative moment. I have a feeling you're right. And that's not possible with a DSLR in the same way. No. No, it's not. I mean, even if you're holding the camera out in front of you, the screen that you have for looking at at what you're framing is so much smaller. But, you know, holding an iPhone out in front of you, you have a screen that's the size of the phone, basically. 
and it's easy to see what's on the screen. So sure, you and a three-year-old could be looking at it together, and uh, and the three-year-old can give you their very appropriate feedback because they will tell you what they oh, like yeah. and what they don't. Yeah, they, they don't hold back, which is wonderful. That's, that's what's, right. So three-year-olds are amazing. Yes, and uh, the three-year-old says, that's pretty. Okay, that's the shot to take. Click. Yeah, it's again, it's a, it's a fabulous shot. So, I yeah, I these I love these competitions because they always make me appreciate my own camera more. And I always love talking to other people about them. So, Jeff, thank you very much for being my partner in crime on this conversation. I I had a feeling it would be fun, but it's actually trying to be funner. Is that a word? Yeah, it is now. It, it is now. Funner than I thought. Um, I think I said to you we'll aim for between half an hour and 45 minutes. I think we missed, but I don't regret it for a moment. We definitely went over, but wow, this was so much fun. I genuinely love analyzing these photos with you. And uh, anytime you want someone to just sit here and, and pick apart photos, let me know. You know where to find me. Indeed I do. And thank you very much. Now, we should say, so I used to introduce you as Jeff from the Mac Observer, but then you went and did lots of other stuff. So do you want to give the listeners any sort of a, you know, a plug for where they can follow the work of the great Jeff Gamut? Um, Sure. Uh, actually, right now, for most people, it's probably easier to follow me on podcasts because I'm, I'm doing a lot. Given you're on one now, I think the people listening know how to do that. Probably. Um, so Mac Voices Live, I'm on that a lot. Um, uh, the Big Show and the Mac Show on British Tech Network. Um, I, I have you don't somehow... sound very British to me. Just No, I don't. But I, in my defense, I'm the interim host because Ewan Rankin has been far too busy lately, uh, which is a good thing because it means his business is doing well. So uh, – um, so I get to be the interim host. I, I assume it's taking care of some, um, you know, like, like equal opportunity requirement in UK <laughs> law. And uh, yeah, you get to be the dispassionate outside observer. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, yeah. Uh, Brian Chaffin and I, we've teamed up again. And yes. so we now have the context machine, which is lots of fun. Uh, in touch with iOS. I'm on that a lot. And uh, when I'm not podcasting, um, youtube.com slash jgamut. I've started doing some videos. And um, what am I missing? Um, I, that's a lot. You've, you've covered a lot of my listening there. Um, and just as actually, you know, congrats on, on restarting. Are, is restarting the right word on... It It is a new generation of the context machine, I guess is the best way to say it. Let's call it a reboot of a context machine. A reboot of a machine. Yeah, machines get rebooted. Yes. They work better after yes. they're rebooted. And I have to say, I'm really enjoying you guys being back together. And your broader oh, context, I find it hilarious that you think you're doing half-hour shows. I just find that fascinatingly <laughs> hilarious. But... I know. We, we have been packing typically at least 50, 50 minutes into uh, what's supposed to be a 30-minute show. They're great conversations, though, and at no point am I going, oh, I wish they'd cut it off at 30. It's like, no, 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 you should keep going. You're having fun. We're enjoying listening. We, we are having fun, yes. Which is the important thing. Okay, um, again, it's important to listeners. Links will be in the show notes, lets-talk.ie. You'll find a link there to the images and to a video-slash-audio version of the podcast, which interviews three of the photographers, uh, or was it four of the... A number of the photographers and uh, the Apple executives responsible for the camera team. And while you're there, there's a section in the sidebar with a big blue heading called Support the Show. Uh, I want to thank everyone who has ever supported the show in any way, because this show has no ads. This this show is 100% listener supported. So the only reason it exists is because you guys allow it to exist. And some of you do that, you know, in financial ways by supporting the Patreon or the PayPal. And that is obviously important. The world requires such things. But others of you support the show by simply sharing it with friends, tweeting about it, retweeting it, posting it on Facebook. All of that stuff's really important too. So thank you to everyone who helps the show in any way whatsoever. And without you guys, it wouldn't exist. And I wouldn't have nearly as much fun as I'm having. So thank you very, very much. Let's just talk.ie. 
Jeff, thank you again for coming on. It was a real pleasure to catch up with you. Um, well, Bart, thank you for inviting me back. I, I genuinely have a wonderful time getting to to chat with you, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm seriously lucky because you are awesome. So thank you. I'm blushing now. We are, we don't take well the compliments in Ireland. We're weird like that. But thank you. Anyway, I have been your host. Let's. I've been your host. Let's talk photography. No, I haven't. I have been the host of Let's Talk Photography. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, my name is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS at InTouchWithIOS.com with my co-host, Warren Sklar. We talk about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. We also have some great Apple guests from the Apple community that also talk to us uh, relating to any tips, any apps, any news of the day, anything that's going on with Apple. Please give us a listen. Our website is intouchwithios.com.